Welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 76. We realized we hadn't been talking enough about passwords and password management. And, you know, this is a really important topic, and it's still Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So this seems like a, a, a really relevant topic at the same time, right, Jay? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm aware of it. So I think it succeeded. But then again, given my job, I already was aware of it. But you should be aware of it, too. Yeah, we want to make sure everyone's aware of cybersecurity and make sure you have enough cybersecurity training. Reality is if you work in tech, and I think most of the people here uh, are in tech or tech adjacent with the home labs. And uh, so I think this is a solid topic, though, to talk about uh, because, man, people are not always good at it. And there's been a lot of debates. And sometimes I, I still run into people who are long time in the tech field that have strange opinions on this topic. So uh, we're going to clear a few things yep. up. Um, I'll even address a video uh, that Jay doesn't know about this. I don't think there's a video about extracting passwords from a password manager. I will, mm -hmm. I will be bringing it up and addressing it. Yeah. There's, cool. there's some interesting new things out there, but uh, we'll still talk about why that, why, that matters, but it's still not a reason not to use a password manager. Uh, before we dive into these details for all the password management, let's talk about Linode, sponsor of this show. So Linode's been a sponsor since the beginning and a great place to run all those different things that you don't want to run in your lab, run it in Linode's lab or put it on one of their public IP addresses. Great way to host the different projects we talk about. We have a sign up and offer code down below so you can get signed up with Linode and we thank them for being a sponsor of the show. Yep, we appreciate it. All right. What was the first on the list? Because we're going to get to a full-blown web-based password manager. But I think the first one we want to talk about is probably going to be, um, or, or do we want to go really basic? Like, don't put them in spreadsheets. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Gonna... I mean, I think that goes without saying. But, um, you know, I feel like we've all seen these in their memes at this point where um, I think that this actually turned out to be a real product. Somebody um, somewhere had a photo of a a notepad that was specifically made for passwords where you would just write them in. It would have like a pre-built oh, yeah. areas for username, password. And it's just, it looked like a, um, like one of those old Rolodex books or something like that. And at first I thought it was a joke, but then I realized it actually existed, but I don't think any of our listeners will make that mistake. I guess I could probably summarize all of that with uh, don't write them down on a piece of paper or a sticky note. Don't put them in a, in clear text anywhere. Um, I think that goes without saying, but just in case there's someone out there, um, well, now you know not to do that. Yeah, and this is interesting. Um, this, I, there's a weird bias on this. It's probably not the best idea to keep them on paper, but to the same extent, they're a little bit less hackable. Uh, you have to maintain your physical security. You also are at risk of losing them. Um, but it is, right. you know, that was a common thing probably in, I want to say, uh, mid 2000s or so. I think that was not an uncommon thing for people to start doing it because this is the earlier days of um, where the general public, not the technical community, but the general public really started hammering out getting on the web. Um, you know, with the birth of social media, I should say, because it's not like the, the internet wasn't used for online shopping and things like that before. And I bring this up because I was actually watching Better Call Saul and it was um, because of the era that part of it was in. It was just kind of funny how they were going into people's houses. And I'm not trying to spoil anything about it, but they were looking for people's passwords and they would always just grab them off the monitor. Like they were just going physically into people's right. houses to grab their passwords uh, so they could get into stuff. So I, I was like, that's like low tech, clever burglarly hacking. But um, what common of the era for when that show was uh, set. so <laughs> and, and there is one situation in which I, I feel like um, writing passwords down on a piece of paper, having it printed out in clear text is a good thing. And that's if you put it in a safe, because that's not a bad idea. You know, your, your keys and whatnot, as long as it's in a safe, 
and you know no one knows a combination but you it's not like someone's just going to walk in your your house and steal a piece of paper if it's in your safe and i feel like that's very common for those um you know emergency passwords if your two-factor stops working you'll have a number of these passcodes or whatever um but it probably doesn't hurt and I, I did this at one time i don't do this anymore i actually did print off the passwords and i did put them in a safe uh with a lock on it so that could be an emergency situation where hopefully you'll never need to ever use it but if uh something happens and i have seen situations where people forget their their password for their password manager and if it's encrypted well enough you're you're sunk i mean if, if encryption is good you know it's good if you can't access anything if you lose that encryption key but don't lose that key or somewhere safe yeah and I'll, I'll also mention you know i have a video on fido and i didn't do one yet maybe I'll, i'm gonna wait till kind of you know see how where it goes things like pass keys um some of the fido stuff is awesome pass keys is awesome the adoption right now in october of 2022 the recording of this podcast is so low it's not a uh solution i can say is like just use this you know as right. much as i love it i love it where it works i just wish it worked in more places and even some of the places it does work so one of my aggravations is uh some of the places don't allow you to have multiple key slots so you you know i recommend getting two fido keys uh -huh. unless you're using service that you know the fido spec allows multiple key slots so you can register more than one key that way if you lose a key you can still have a backup key uh but that standard was not adhered to. So um, that's, yep. I have a couple um, complaints I had with companies like I can only register one key and they're like, yeah, that's a, we, we don't have a spot for two keys because we adopted and added the support, not, not native. Like, so we never really thought about the multiple key problem. Uh, so we, we're going to kind of yeah. keep the topic off of that. I have a video. If you type in Fido on my channel, um, Jay's also got, you have a YubiKey video. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I have a Fido key video. I have more than one, including using Fido with SSH, which also the challenge of using Fido with SSH is the server has to support it, not just the client. So once again, you'll run into servers that don't support it because they are using older versions of SSH. Or if you have to deal with some Microsoft things, Microsoft chose to um, omit it from their compilation of SSH. I don't know why. So uh, mm -hmm. Fido is awesome. We have, we've covered these topics, me and Jay have respectively, but for the most part, uh, we're going to focus on password management. <laughs> so do we want to start with uh, KeyPass XE? Yeah, I think KeyPass XE is a good one. And for the people in the home lab world, I don't think it's a bad one. Um, right. People want to know why I'm not using it if I think it's insecure. And it's it's a scalability problem. Uh, I manage a group of people. I manage employees. Uh, as you have more and more people, you realize, and someone will say, but Tom, there's a way you can synchronize the KeyPass X. Yeah, it doesn't scale to um, having a lot of a lot of people. There, It just... Right. I, I've actually played with it. I have some neat integrations that allow and have some collision detection for managing passwords, but it's it, it's hard to scale. But from an individual user standpoint, if you were looking for a good, private, secure, popular, um, has gone. I don't know if it's ever been truly security audited, but it's popular enough in the market that I think a lot of people have poked at it. Um, I yeah. think it's not a bad choice and you can put a lot of information, not just your because it's more than password management. You need a little bit of your notes management, maybe an API. Yeah storage so keypass actually has some fields where you can store some of that extra data that's equally important to things yeah i really like keypass xe i i actually use it pretty much every day but it's not my primary password manager though um but it is something that i use it it was my primary for quite a while and what i would do is sync it with sync thing 
basically. So um, I didn't have to worry about, you know, which computer was I on at the time I saved this password because that's not really something you want to deal with. It's synchronized throughout all of them and it worked really well that way. But again, I'm one person and I don't have employees. So um, you're right. It There's ways to make it scale, but you have to engineer that part. And I know a lot of us, that or a lot of you guys listening are like, we have to engineer something. What's the harm in that? That actually sounds like a good thing that I have to, you know, a project to work on. And, and I totally get that. I later switched to Bitwarden, which we'll um, talk about later, but I still use KeePass XC for my home lab because, you know, switch passwords and logins to um, devices and things like that. It's a great solution. Um, and I just keep using it for that. So even though I don't use it for my personal passwords, it's it's really useful for everything you know behind my firewall. And I'm not knocking it at all. It could absolutely be someone's primary solution, and it was for me for quite a while. But just like you said, there's um, you can scale it, but it's just not like built to scale as well by default unless you round the edges yourself. Yeah, and the responsibility is on you at that point as well to not only remember the master password, but also to keep all the backups. Um, this is something right. that it's just, you can't have, you know, just two copies even I feel because it's so important and, and could lock yourself out of things, have a couple extra copies, have an offline copy of it, make sure you um, <clears throat> have a good integration in that. So that yeah. or a good process, I should say, integration, good process for making sure you're managing that data, backing up that data and keeping it properly secured. Because I, I say this very emphatically because, you know, I just had another person reach out for consulting um, that thought I could just undelete their entire ZFS. And I'm like, no, all those data sets are uh, probably obliterated. They, they purged and deleted it and thought they could just undelete because they realized after they didn't want to and they had all their data and passwords and everything in it. So, but what I've learned in it is that, you know, not all users are great at the same thing. You know, obviously everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, but every user is good at destroying data. Like that's the one thing universally that every user is good at, no matter how their experience is with computers. It's just um, anytime anyone ever asked me to get something back, I think I had like a couple of occasions where it was easy. Um, but going back to KeePass XC just one last time, I wanted to um, kind of, point the finger at a feature that I like about it. And I'm not going to say that Bitwarden doesn't have this feature because when I say that, I often find out that Bitwarden does have that feature um, because they have a lot of features and many of which I'm still discovering. But the window matching feature of KeePass XC is really cool. So um, for example, let's say you're not using a browser. Maybe you're just using an actual app that's outside of the browser, dedicated standalone app. And you look at the window title, and you could actually match the window title to a password entry and have it autofill with a keyboard shortcut that app. So it doesn't have to be in your browser. It's able to autofill pretty much everything. So imagine um, logging into Steam, for example. That's not in your browser. You could do that with KeePass XC. I don't know if you could still do that in the new version because I haven't tested it. This is quite a while ago. And then the other thing it can do as well is you can enable browser access to be able to autofill passwords in your browser as well. Not everyone knows that KeePass XC could do those things because at first it kind of looks like a, just an app to store passwords and nothing else, but it has some extra features there. I just want to make sure that people are aware of. And uh, those are some pretty useful features to be sure. And if you're like a single person managing everything, again, KeePass XC might actually be your only solution and that might be fine. Yeah, I, you know, I wish they would add that feature uh, to Bitwarden, the window focus 
uh, part. It's that would be kind of cool because yeah. they do have desktop apps and command line apps uh, you can interact with with Bitwarden. But you know th that little window focus feature is really nice. Maybe we should uh, somebody should just put a wish list item in their uh, version or bug tracker or whatever. Um, now that being said, could, I mean it, I, I don't know that they don't have it, but I guess if you said that they don't, then I guess that. It probably means that they don't. I, but I, feel I was like opening it, up the app over here so I could see if that was an option. <laughs> so, well, I know in past XP, it was like, if I remember correctly, a regex or a text string that you just put in a field that the window will have in the window board or the window title. And that's how it works there. So if not, I hope they get it because that would be really cool if you could uh, autofill other apps, not just things in your browser. There is a dedicated app as well. With, uh, we'll get to Bitward, and I don't want to spoil too much right now. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know if there's any feature difference between um, one or the other, but yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, let's see. All right, that's actually should we probably move right over to Bitwarden? Did you have anything you want also say about KeePass? I don't. Um, Bitwarden is is one of those things that I just love. I was using before KeePass XC. I was using LastPass. I don't have a whole lot to say about LastPass because it's been a while since I used it. I, I actually managed an enterprise LastPass account for a company and all the employees. So I, I feel like I'm very familiar with it, but that was like two or three years ago. And eventually, you know, I moved from that to KeePass XC and then from that to Bitwarden because I personally, and this is a personal opinion, this is not a technical analysis at all, just Jay's personal opinion. I really don't like the interface in LastPass. I don't really know why. It just kind of, um, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's a, the best, most streamlined user interface. And then um, Bitwarden has some issues with its interface as well. But I feel like it it's easy to use. It works. It makes sense. And I really like it. I like it a lot. So Bitwarden is something that you can uh, subscribe to. You can have an account on you know their system. You could even self-host it if you want to which I believe is what you're doing. I'm, I'm not doing that. And you don't have to pay for, um, you know, pay for it to get all the features. I mean, you no, they, do have, they do have a few features that are paid yeah. in, in Bitwarden. There's a few, up, yeah. there are a few things that are an upsell on there. Um, okay. so it's not a hundred percent, but a lot of them are more the enterprise features, I should say. So yeah, I guess like, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause there's going to be the majority of the features on the free one but I've been paying for it because I don't mind supporting a project and I've been paying for it for so long. I don't even know what's paid or what's not when it comes to features because it's been at least several years that I've had my paid account and um, it's really cheap too. I, I don't remember what it yeah. was off the top of my head, but it's actually very inexpensive. Yeah. The Bitwarden pricing is really good. Um, and I'll mention, so I seen someone ask this question and this is where I land on this people asking about vault warden. So because of the way Bitwarden is built, and it is open source, but people have, of course, forked it. And if you can have something that's open source, you're going to be able to go, hey, uh, let's create a one. Let's create a version that's, you know, um, doesn't have these restrictions in there that I have to pay for. And I want to add all these uh, extra functionality. Well, in my understanding is this is one of the things that Vault Warden does. Also, it's written a little bit differently. So it's open source. It's written a little differently. It doesn't it's not complete. It's based on the same code, but it has some different ways it's integrated. Mm -hmm. Um which also worries me a little bit about Vault Warden. So when it comes to password security, one of the things Bitwarden has done is really set the bar high. I've used Bitwarden as an example to a lot of other vendors in the enterprise IT and the managed service provider spaces. If you guys want to be transparent about your security, 
look at the way Bitwarden does it. They don't just go through their regular security audits. They're very transparent in how they publish the findings of their security audits. And I think that's an important thing because, you know, just because we can't see the code doesn't mean anyone's ever looked at the code. That is the myth of open source that because you can see the code, someone has looked at the code. I'm sorry. Those things are not, those don't, you know, those don't always uh, work that way. Um, But in the case of Bitwarden, they have paid very good engineering companies, different ones. That way you're not getting the same opinion from the same people. Um, They've had different engineering um, security testing companies really go through their code, find problems, and they've pushed out fixes for them or find edge cases, really poke away at it. So because they've spent a lot of time on that, I trust that their code is secure and they are absolutely forthcoming and dumping every year when they go through their audits uh, of how things are done, making sure they're following secure code practices. The moment someone forks your code and starts doing their own thing, did someone audit the forked code is the question. Cause it's not like you can't fork a project and it's secure at the moment you forked it. It becomes up in the air, depending on what changes were made. I've never taken the time and I don't know who has uh, to look at vault warden and say, Hey, did they do things in a, really secure manner when they did all of that because when you look at the fact that it's like uh well it comes out to be 333 dollar 333 a month i know you got to pay annually so multiply that times 12 but either way when you look at the pricing being so low my security is worth more than the uh 36 was that comes out like 36 or 37 let's just say 40 bucks a year us 40 dollars us to have a solid back-end security I feel comfortable with that. That's that's an amount of money that is less than most of the streaming services that entertain me. Uh, this takes time to secure me. So to me, it's worth it. That's how I it feel is. about yeah, that from a pricing standpoint. Yeah, I, I really do agree with that. And, um, you know, Bitwarden is basically what I wished LastPass was, in my opinion, with the, with the interface being better. But there's a um, browser plugin. And I remember LastPass slowing down my browsers quite a bit. And uh, this one doesn't seem to do that. Now, now to be fair, I don't know if LastPass even still has that problem. They could have, you know, for all I know, completely fixed that. But um, going back to your point about open source, though, um, I think the Vivaldi web browser is a very good example of this because it's actually one of my favorite web browsers. And I would probably consider switching to it full time because it has like some amazing features and they've done such a great job with it. But it's not fully open source. But when they're pressured on this, you know, not being fully open source, they'll come back with, well, the browsing engine is fully open source. I'm like, well, that's fine. Um, But your UI is not, and you've added some things, and there could be a vulnerability chain unless you're keeping up on that. And if you're not, well, how do I know I could use a browser? Which is why I recommend that no one use Vivaldi. But at the same time, I hate saying that because it's such an amazing browser. But here you go, you know, the same thing you have. Um, an open source project that's been forked and turned into Vivaldi with their own secret sauce. And sometimes that secret sauce is what uh, does you in at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, someone pointed out, and I think I remember reading this before, so I've never used Vault Warden. It's not a fork. It's a new implementation written in Rust. So oh. I don't know. Now, now I have not really more questions, but um, they made a back end that's compatible with the Vault Warden front end. So that becomes uh, interesting. And one thing yeah. I'll make note of um, 
when it comes to browser plugins, one of the rules for writing browser plugins is the code can't be obfuscated. So whether it's LastPass, OnePass, or whatever other password manager, um, the browser plugins are actually going to never be uh, fully closed source, uh, if anyone's ever wondering about that. That's actually, I didn't realize that's actually a requirement is you can't do code obfuscation. That's how they monitor what plugins go on browsers. Uh, hmm. This is true for both Mozilla and for uh, Chrome extensions. The The code can't be you can't just have binary blobs, um, which I think is actually really smart because that's how you know if something changed. This is what allows the browser places to understand what's happening. And, and you know, it doesn't mean there, there isn't a bad browser plugin that doesn't come in and do something bad, um, but they're able to reverse engineer it and figure out what bad thing it was doing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and someone in our chat mentioned that um, they wouldn't trust any third party to host their passwords. And I can understand that mindset completely. Yeah, I don't really think it's a bad mindset, but at the same time, if it's encrypted before it leaves, there's never reason, assuming that the encryption is good, right? If it's a weak, expired, or outdated, deprecated encryption, then that's you know equally terrible. But assuming it's a really good and strong cipher, then I honestly feel like there's no reason, and correct me if I'm wrong, to you know doubt a third party. They're just receiving like gobbledygook basically encrypted text they don't know what it is and they can't know what it is they can't reverse engineer it so if as long as it's being encrypted properly i can't really see a reason why that would be a problem yeah and the right the way the password managers work all the well-written ones this is going to be LastPass, bitwarden and a number of other ones that are out there um they never know and i have a video called what your password manager what is sent to your password manager what your password manager knows about you uh, i can't remember exactly what i titled it easy to find if you type in password password manager i go through step by step in showing how the encrypted blob is handed over and then from there your master password that decrypts it all that's happening browser side it's not actually sending your master password back over the wire out to the system yep. uh to bring it back that's a very important distinction for how all proper password i can't say all password managers come sure someone wrote a dumb one out there that doesn't do that but the popular ones that i'm aware of i know specifically LastPass and bitwarden definitely do that um Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are others, which is an important distinction. Now, I think some people have the concern like, hey, now they're handling my passwords and I feel like I'm not in control of it, not from a security standpoint, but what if something happens? Bitwarden, um, I don't know, they decide they don't want to do this no more or any password company. Or they have a, or like a major um, outage in yeah. know, someone's network somewhere. Then you Can can't you get, get to your, your passwords when there's an outage. And this is true for more than just Bitwarden, but I'll mention Bitwarden because we're on that topic and me and Jay both use it. The desktop app and the browser plugin both cache each time they're synchronized. So if the server is offline, it will still have the passwords available to you at their last sync. The only thing you can't do is add new ones because it'll give you an error because it can't synchronize that new information somewhere. So it does not have any offline synchronization capabilities like I'll write this password now and sync it later. But what it can do is uh, read all of them or give you last known passwords. You also have the ability uh, to import and export vaults. So if you want to move between password managers, uh, Bitwarden has both import and export options. So you can also just do your own backups once in a while. And it does offer encryption of those backups. So you can back up your Bitwarden, you can encrypt it and keep that somewhere. So you have your own copy. Um, I do self-host it. There are some prerequisites though. Now I like self-hosting it. Self-hosting is great. It's just a cool thing. 
except not everyone uh, is capable of self-hosting or doing these prerequisites. It's just going to be have a working mail system. So you have to be able to send emails from it. It relies on that for uh, certain aspects of it. You also have to have an SSL cert. Now it does have the ability to, I believe it's got Let's Encrypt built in. I'm using a proxy in front of it, which works perfectly fine. Specifically, I'm using HA proxy. Um, mm -hmm. I like self-hosting it because it's one extra layer but it also creates some complexities that I've considered moving it back to their system because one of the complexities is um, the fact that if you want to use Bitwarden Send and you don't have it publicly accessible, you're not able to use some of the cool features they've added to it. Um, and I trust them pretty well to where I feel like it's not a big deal. So I may at some point move it back to the cloud because then I get some integrations that I don't have. Uh, but overall, it, even if you don't self-host it, it's still a very solid and secure system. I think my only complaint, I know this is a very petty complaint, and it, it's probably not even Bitwarden's fault. I bet you this is the browser's fault in this case. But mm -hmm. if I'm editing in the browser, you know, you just click on the Bitwarden icon. I don't know, you want to change your password in there or something or edit some fields. If you ever click off of it, you will lose all your changes every oh, single yes. time. And I, I, I wish that when you clicked on that icon, the window would stay open because if I change focus to another window for example yes as soon as i change focus it goes away and i feel like that's the most annoying egregious thing and it doesn't sound that bad it's oh, you, it is though it i agree is, with you completely. yeah it is because when you start <laughs> editing especially when you're going in the notes and you um have like um totp codes or whatever it is you want to securely save there and you have a number of these especially if you're you have a browser window open and you're using the desktop or not the desktop app, but you have another browser window open and that one gives you some information. So you want to copy that information and then paste it in there. It's just going to go away as soon as you change the window. Um, but that's not really that. I mean, you can work around that. The other thing I have a love hate relationship with this. I love the fact that it has time-based one-time passwords built right into Bit Bitwarden. So you could literally, um, you know, log into a website and ask for your um, time-based code and then paste because it's uh, Bitwarden can handle that for you. But I'm not really sure that I want Bitwarden to be handling everything because, you know, if someone did get a hold of my passphrase, they would also have my time-based one-time password right. codes as well. And I don't think I really like that, but I, I do, I can see that it is very convenient to just be able to autofill a password, paste, hit enter, and then you're in. So I suppose with your you know, less important websites, maybe, I don't know, a forum account or something might be acceptable. But I'm not really sure I would go as far as to put your banking one-time password in there or anything like that. It's not that Bitwarden is doing it wrong. It's just that if your password leaks and they have the keys to everything and having some of that segregated might actually be better. So one of the things um, I do in to avoid the little closing window problem is one, you can pop Bitwarden out into its own little uh, window. So that's mm -hmm. how I solve the notes problem. Um, hmm. Cause I, I, I do it all the time because I can't, I constantly am using those notes. So yeah, if you, have, if you click on it, there's an option to uh, it's the little it top left. It says pop out. How a new did window. I not notice that all yeah. of this time? It is right there. The solution I was complaining up a storm and the um, solution was probably one twentieth of the time it took me to complain. <laughs> oh, well, no, no, trust me. I've definitely done it because I'll I'll start typing something and realize I want to copy a piece of data and I now have lost the other piece I typed. So trust me, there's a reason. I, I took me a long time before I found it. But the second part, um, I really like that you can keep the TOTP in there. Which TOTP do I keep in there though? Because I do keep some and I'll admit to that. <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's exactly what you said. I have all these different forums I belong to 
And with the exception of my forums, I'm not the main forum administrator. My forums, I do not keep my TOTP in there. But for all the other forums I'm signed up for, which are, you know, everything from PF Sense forums and everything else, I always save my TOTP in there because one, it's low risk. If someone wanted to impersonate me in forums, I don't know why they would do that. They could make me look bad or whatever, but it seems unlikely that it, my, here's the thing. If my Bitwarden were compromised, you know, my top concern would not be, oh no, will someone impersonate me in the PF Sense forums? We'll throw it out there. That is, that is a concern. But it is it is on the very bottom of all concerns if someone got into my bit work. So yeah, um, the only and, exception and, is in my mind is why this might even be important for some is if there's metadata even in a forum account like your address or something, it is possible for someone to use that to um, you know do a forgot password or a, an account authentication thing or call customer service. Please verify your address. But then again, I mean, you just have to be careful and mindful what fields you fill out and which accounts. I mean, if obviously if it has payment information in there, no, but just to, to, you know, think about the information. I don't think very many forums that I remember will ask for address. So that's probably not a non-issue like you mentioned, but just throwing that out there to make people aware of it. Yeah. So it's, um, I, in the other problem, if I were to use my TOT, TOTP app to store all of those, man, I would, I have enough in there now. Um, so I, I imagine for every forum having another, you know, I have to go to my phone for the app. This is actually one of the reasons I don't use Bitwarden on my phone because it seems like somewhat of a, uh, violation, so to speak in my head of trust boundaries, because if I have Bitwarden on my phone, now my, um, phone, which has rolling two FA codes on it also has my passwords on it. And they're in one place on one device. And that, it, that bothers me a little. So I've always kept those, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of separate on there. Now, just and this is not something that's uh, available if you're an iPhone user, but I'll throw this out there if you're an Android user or you use the F Droid. Um, Aegis, A E G I S Authenticator is a uh, free, secure, and open source app to manage your 2FA codes. I really like Aegis. Um, it be, it's because it's open source, because it's open to how they do things. Uh, I think it's a really cool app for managing your 2FA. There's always going to be someone out there that was, I like Authy. And I don't think there's any problem with Authy. I just don't use it. Um, but I yeah. know Authy is uh, good for if you, uh, synchronizing between accounts and things like that. I worry about something that can synchronize between accounts. It's just the, um, you can call me a little of a tinfoil hat on that topic. But, you know, Aegis does yeah. not have that option. Aegis does have backup and export options. Uh, Aegis has a feature I really like, though. If I save a 2FA, I can actually get the 2FA back out of it. I can actually get the, the code from the 2FA back out if I need to. Right. That's a good feature to have as well. Yeah. Authy has a few quirks of its own, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's yeah. fine. Well, and things with Aegis is, is I can reproduce the QR code. I hit make QR code and you can point my phone. If we wanted to, I, in Ali, I have to do this. I wish I didn't. There's certain accounts that don't have multiple users for a business that we right. use. So me and my staff want to have the same 2FA code because we're using a common username and password. And instead of sticking it in Bitwarden and sharing it, we actually will share it through Aegis by pointing our phones at each other. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to navigate these things, right? Because I, yeah. I feel like that's one of the biggest issues when it comes to security is that obviously not every app or company is going to make the right decisions. I mean, it could be like a company has like the best security that you know, we know of in their app and they're doing all the right things. And, but they also allow SMS to uh, FA or worse only support two FA via SMS, which um, just 
really annoys me or, or, you know, also when you have a, um, I forgot my, um, authenticator button that lets you just, Oh, you don't have it. That's fine. Um, we'll just verify your account and you'll, we'll let you in anyway. So I, I feel like some companies kind of do all this wrong, but that's a whole other episode altogether. I feel like as long as we keep in mind what each app's capabilities are, we, you know, navigate around those as securely as we can, then I think we've done our best. Right. Um, and one other feature that's kind of neat for Bitwarden, I'll throw it out there. This goes outside the home lab, but for worth noting, um, as someone who's a reseller of Bitwarden, when you have to manage your clients' passwords, uh, one of the things it does is as we sign clients up, it creates a shared vault between me and the client. So that's how we're moving towards uh, client password management too. It's actually a really cool mm -hmm. feature in Bitwarden. I sign up client, I have a shared vault. I can put the passwords there and then assign them to the users and they belong to the vault, not to the user. That way if a user changes or moves, um, that shared feature is actually pretty cool in Bitwarden uh, for helping, you know, you're actually upping the level of security for your clients. And if your client changes passwords, you get to see that you, you can have access to that common shared vault uh, between them to help manage those. And as an IT service writer, I, I imagine at least a few of the people here work in the same industry as me. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'll that feature out there as being pretty cool. I may do a completely separate video on my channel about it. Cause um, we just have been fascinated by like how slick it works. So. Yeah. I, I feel like that'll solve a, I know it's not a home lab issue, like you said, but an enterprise, I feel like one of my um, bigger pet peeves is when we uh, get a contract for supporting a company, then they just um, right. send us their admin passwords, clear text. My, the worst one is when they send their certificate files for their SSL cert uh, unencrypted in the clear, and then I have to be the one to tell them that they need to deploy a new certificate company-wide because they just invalidated it. Um, yeah. You know, and it, because it's a real problem, you know, people don't understand if they're not us, like, like in our industry, they don't understand the security is kind of lacking there so um you know it's just one of those things we we deal with but it, as long as we have a, a means and in home lab i mean there could be something i mean if you're on vacation and someone wants to help you fix something because you know i don't know how many people have uh friends that help them with home lab because you know that is a thing it might just be a way to say hey could you log into this thing and update my packages for me and and if you trust that person obviously i wouldn't give them you know credentials to your bank account or anything but if it's just uh running updates and I mean, I mean, that could be okay if you trust them. Again, if you trust them, I'm going to keep saying that. But I don't, yeah, I think you're right. It's not going to be as useful for Home Lab, but I'm sure there's going to be several out there that are already thinking of a use case for that. Yeah. Um, one of the things, too, uh, of note here, you know, we mentioned the two of them we like, but there's plenty of other good ones out there, but I don't have the time to check them all because I'd seen someone mention, I think it's called like Password Bolt, B-O-L-T. Um, hmm. They're another one that's, uh, I believe, open source. I think I may be saying the name right, but I, I, I simply, because I get a lot of requests, Tom, can you tell me about this one? I don't have time to test them all. I've tested Bitwarden and used it for like three years now. So, and Jay uses it and it's because we know the product very well. It doesn't mean the other products are bad just because me and Jay don't like them. It just means there's only so many hours in a day and only so many projects that can take on and testing every new password manager that's open source is uh low on my list of things I have time to do because <laughs> like right. Bitwarden's been there a while doing it. Um, I don't see anything wrong with the way they do it. There's not any killer feature I've seen in the other ones that make me go, Oh man, if, Bitwarden had this, I'd stay with them. I'm going to jump ship and go over here. Um, they basically seem to have feature parity to some extent with Bitwarden. But if making the same product again doesn't make me change to it, you have to make the same right. product 
and then give me that extra reason to switch. So I'll just figure I'll answer those questions for the why not my favorite password manager questions that come up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about OpenSense. I'm, I, I'm sure it's totally amazing and, and just awesome, but mine works. And translating yeah. all those rules, I mean, that that's a whole weekend and I have other things to do during the weekend. So no, nothing against the ones we don't cover. It's just... Uh, you know, that thing about yep. being human and eating sleep always kind of gets in the way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's just, it takes a lot because when I say I've tested something, um, I mean, I put the time in, we have nine employees. So I have nine people using Bitwarden. Then we have clients we've resold this to that are, you know, many more than nine people using it. Um, so we've used this thing a lot. So we have a good familiarity with it. So I can tell you, you know, what we like, what we don't like type things like the little pop out window problem. Um, but you know, yeah. I haven't run into any gotchas or you shouldn't use it. That would make me even want to look at them. So uh, that's my thoughts on there. So I see people asking about other ones. I, I just haven't had time to test them. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of great ones out there and they may be like, you may like the UI better. And if there's no security issues with it, um, go ahead and use it. Now let's talk yeah. about security or do you have anything more to add about Bitwarden? I don't think so. All right. So this is a, a topic because I've seen someone ask about the last pass hack. I think LastPass did a good job of being transparent. I also think um, the part of the problem is it, they were so they were transparent to a fault. Hmm. Having someone get in your systems but then able to do something that was a user facing event um, falls on the edge of whether or not you should. Well, I mean, I like I say you should report it, um, but that level of transparency created confusion. I did a video on this topic. It did not mean that the place was compromised, but of course it was easy. And I, when I did that video uh, talking about the last fresh breach, you know, I used my wife as an example who doesn't work in tech and uh, yeah, it just gives you that idea that, Oh, you know uh, it's hard to communicate to the general public about this. And then even the technical community seemed to get a lot of it wrong, thinking there was a bigger hack than there was with uh, LastPass. That being said, LastPass has not had any major things that make me think that they're an insecure company. They seem to be transparent almost to a fault. But then again, that's where we're trying to go with security. It shouldn't be an anomaly that companies are that level of transparent. Then the question is, though, once you centralize all your passwords, where's that security risk? And there is some risk that comes with uh, having your passwords centralized, but there's a lot of benefits. First thing, having them in a browser, there's a good and bad. The good thing about having them in the browsers, because that's mostly what you're logging into, two, it will help dramatically with your sites and validating them. Because if you try to get to a phishing site and you have to manually type in your credentials because your password manager has decided not to fill them in, there's a really big positive on the side of security. Because anytime I don't have an autofill, I have questions. Why isn't it autofilling? Did the URL change? Did they change how they log in? And this actually happened. My bank changed their back end. Um, I knew they were doing updates, but that when they changed their back end for the logins, my login quit working because it checked the full URL and it would only log into the full URL. So when they moved it, it gave me pause and it made me actually reach out because it was my business banking. So I reached out to my business banker and said, did you guys make changes to your back end? And they said, yes, we did. I said, okay, is this the changes you made? This is the new URL login. They said, yes, it is. I said, okay, cool. I, it, it gave me a reason to investigate and ask questions. Um, so I like that about having all the passwords in the browser. It just an extra level of awareness uh, to make me ask more questions when it doesn't fill in. The downside is, and this is the video I mentioned at the very beginning, 
someone pointed out there is a new, and I believe this uh, trusted security to this, uh, there's a new um, C2 system for Cobalt Strike that has, Cobalt Strike is a red team tool, quasi red team tool. It's also used by uh, lots of threat actors. Once they compromise your system, what's next? What do you do when you get control of someone's system? Well, you would like to run some applications to pull things out of memory. What is the thing you're going to target? Well, let's target the browser. Now, browsers do a lot of obfuscation to make it a little bit harder to pull things out. But I have a video I recently did about storing passwords. And someone says passwords and memory should be encrypted. And that person didn't understand how things work. Because there comes a point where everything has to be in memory to operate in kind of a, even though it's compartmentalized, at some point things are in memory. Um, and if you know, and this is what the goal of this extra uh, tooling was, was to get into the system, target LastPass, look for them with the ability to extract some of the things that are extracted in memory from their last pass, which is going to be um, some of the passwords that are in there. So when you open the vault and it's decrypting the vault, well, now you've got that piece of information. My counter argument to a lot of this when people freak out is you could just have easily have a key log around there. Once you have a system level control of someone's system, you can key yeah. log and get their master password because it they showed some of the challenges of what it was taking, which it was only about 40 seconds on that computer. I didn't really see how fast the computer was, but each hunt through the memory had a time delay pause of figuring out where those passwords were in memory. It's not like they're just mapped right here. Here's LastPass, and LastPass is a clear pointer for this. Also, the way browsers, um, especially with all the reframing of memory, um, they're always trying to keep things very compartmentalized to make it a little bit harder for different things to find things randomly in memory. So it's kind of a cat and mouse game on there. But that being said, um, it's still, in my opinion, better, even though you're centralizing them, it's better to have them in there. Uh, the other right. thing of having them in the browser is you're chasing through a lot of sub processes of the browser versus if you do use a desktop application. And this was the video I did recently talking about uh, Microsoft and using Electron for their Teams app that gave a place for people to steal the tokens because they weren't doing any encryption with the Electron app. But technically, if you have access to the machine, if you steal someone's browser token and session cookies, which they're making them harder to steal, but once you get those out, you also have the same level of things. It comes down to you have to really monitor who's on your system because once they're on your system at a high permission level, whether it is a key logger they have, a tool that can extract things from memory or watch them, you have a lot of scary things that could be happening on there um, that, you know, these are where the fundamental problems are. And by the way, I mean, they do happen, but they're, you, you really got to focus on endpoint security and really be thinking heavily about that, not just the browser password, because at some point, whether it's a desktop app, whether you're like, oh, Cobalt Strike's looking for um, LastPass, I should use another password manager. I'm like, no, 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 they just haven't wrote another one for the less common password managers. They've wrote some tooling to make it easier to extract LastPass because it's hands down one of the most popular ones out there. But the problem still persists across all of these. So that's the way you want to think about security is keep people off your endpoints. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that basically is what it comes down to. I mean, sometimes, you know, when things happen, it's a legitimate problem and, you know, shame on the company for doing that. But I also kind of feel like there's 
some, like you were saying, some misunderstandings about how these these things work. I mean, what's next? We have someone saying, hey, someone broke into my password database. Dude, your password is ABC123. I don't care. They got into my password database. Um, you know, at, at what point do, does someone start saying that? I mean, we have to have a reasonable level of understanding of, of what's required here. We, we need a strong password. We need to check the boxes. And like I said, keep people off our system because if we're letting everybody in, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. When someone gets any system level privileges, um, that's when everything goes haywire. And that's always the goal of threat actors. How high of a, you know, privilege level can I get on a system and right. having triggers uh, for knowing that on there. Matter of fact, I, I want to explore this a little more. Um, not too off topics. We're still on the scary topic of what do threat actors do when they're first on your system? And uh, this is where thinks Canary, uh, her and Mir, and he, I've interviewed him before on my channel. He's a pretty neat, pretty uh, fun person, but they do these free Canary tokens. Um, and I've done a video on free. If you type in free Canary tokens, I break down all the Canary tokens that were available at the time of the video, but they've added another token. Uh, one of those tokens is when people run common commands and threat actors do this all the time, such as who am I? Because the first thing you do, I get, I got to, a, a system mystery system they click the link I, I i i'm in but where am i in at so the first thing you type is who am i but jay how often do you ever run who am i you, you always know who you are right yeah i try to know who i am but i do run it from time to time i'm not really sure why but i catch myself doing that sometimes yeah. One of the things you can do, and this was one of the clever ones, is you can create a trigger. Uh, this was specifically for Windows, not Linux. There's probably a different way to do it in Linux. But one of the clever ways to do it was to um, create a special trigger for any time who am I is run to send a notification to you. Because unless you're the one running it, that's a question. And that's the first thing a lot of threat actors do. So there's all these little things you can do to help uh, level up your endpoint security. And you know, even if it's triggering, I mean, they're in. So have your panic attack when that runs and you didn't run it, but at least now you're aware of it. Uh, Cause they usually, you know, even running these different tools against your system, take time. They don't necessarily happen always automated or instant. Um, and threat actors frequently sit for a little while to see what kind of intelligence they can gather. So um, that's one of those little tips I want to throw out there kind of related to security and thinking about your endpoints. Um, it's one of the things I want to play with on there. Leave your comments down below if you have a few other suggestions kind of around that. Cause these are, these are some fun little topics on there um, locking out or knowing what commands are run or even, and I've, I've known some in, in a long time in the Linux world, uh, people have done this swapped out commands. They don't use for something else. So they, so it triggers instead. <laughs> yeah. There, there's always some, fun there's always something when it comes to security. Yeah, always something fun like that. But hopefully this is an enlightening topic for everyone. Hopefully you have a little bit better understanding uh, and a couple of products you may want to look at. Like I said, we no resellers, by the way. We're we're just liking Bitwarden. This is not sponsored or brought to you by Bitwarden. We're just two happy Bitwarden users. So that's yeah. been like several years. We probably should have and we probably should reach out to them. We've been using them forever, but I've never had a conversation with them. So sure they're nice though. <laughs> yep. So don't reuse your passwords. Use a password manager. Use your password. Master password should be or master passphrase. We'll get that out there because someone will complain. Tom, don't say master password. Say master passphrase. So it's even longer. It's a collection of words and, and done in an obscure way. Yes. Whatever methodology, hopefully you can remember because that's an important one. Um, yes, I do have my own complexities and uh, ways I do it that I will not reveal because I do it my way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all kind of do it our way. That's why we have a home lab, right? Yeah, that's why you have a home lab. So 
So hopefully that's uh, answered all the questions. We love hearing from you. So please uh, reach out to us. Oh, what was the email address we set up? We announced it last time. And I didn't. I yeah, I it was it. 2022 was the end uh, part of it, if I remember correctly. Wasn't it like feedback 2022 or something like that? I, I don't want to watch that show. Yeah. Feedback 2022 at the home lab dot show. And so. if we're wrong, we're going to make that alias like within the next five minutes. <laughs> but um, no, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So, yeah. I yeah. Know that. All right. All right. Well, thank you. And um, look forward to hearing from you guys next week. Me and Jay have a couple ideas. One of them, <laughs> one of them didn't pan out so far. So we're actually glad we made this the password show. Because <laughs> Well, next week is all things open. I don't really think I'll be oh, that's around right. for the next one, but uh, perhaps the one after that. Most one after that. So, yep. oh, and, I, and I'll actually have to figure that one out because I'm going to be in Florida. So. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be I, back soon. How about we'll be that? back soon. We will let you yep. know. Keep an eye on Twitter for us. And uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. Talk to you next time. Appreciate it. <laughs>